Hallelujah. So we had resurrection last week, and there was a period of time for 40 days where Jesus spent time with the disciples, talking to them about the kingdom and things to come, and then he was taken up. And, but he's, he's coming another way. In Mark, it said that he came to the two on the way to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, and he, on, they was on the road to Emmaus. That's where they were, but a big mess. And he came to them in another form. See, Jesus was in one form before he was crucified. And it's sad, but most people, when they think of Jesus, think about the Jesus that was, not the Jesus that is. But he's come to us in another form, the form of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in just a second here. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. All died. And that he died for all, that they which live, say that's me, should not henceforth live for themselves, but for him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. This is the problem. We know too many people after the flesh and not after the spirit. From now on, we don't know anyone after the flesh. Okay? We knew Christ that way, it says. Though we knew him, Christ that way after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him that way no more. Why? Because he's not that way anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has exchanged us. Say exchanged. That's reconciled. To himself by Jesus Christ. Now look at that. He exchanged us to himself. What did he exchange us to? Himself. Catch that. How did he do that? By Jesus Christ. And hath given us a ministry of exchange, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of exchange. That's what we've been given. Okay? And it says, Now then we as ambassadors for Christ, as God did beseech you, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you exchanged to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us. We sang the song a while ago who knew no sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hebrews 2, about verse 14, says, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verily, he took not upon himself the nature of angels, but he took upon himself the seed of Abraham. What did he take on himself? The seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Say, like me. He became like me. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to, the, to God to make exchange for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted... He is able to secure or relieve them that are tempted. Why did he suffer? So he could relieve those that are suffering. He took our suffering on himself, didn't he? Amen. He took it on himself. He didn't take the nature of angels, but he took the seed of Abraham. That's why he was, as the seed of Abraham, that's who he was before. And, you know, as I got to thinking about that, why did Jesus say, he said, it is necessary. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away. 
For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when the Comforter is come, he will lead and guide you what into all truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatsoever he'll, he'll speak and he'll show you things to come. He will convict the world of sin or convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they didn't believe. The sin of what? Unbelief. Now, you know, I said a while ago when Jesus came in, a form, in another way to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he says, and they came and told the disciples they had seen Jesus, and they didn't believe him. They didn't believe them. And it says that Jesus came to those disciples, and he upbraided them. That word upbraided means he abused them. Look for it up yourself. He was very upset and abused them verbally. Why? Because of their unbelief. The only thing that gets Jesus upset really is unbelief. Unbelief kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. Unbelief will keep you out of what he's done for you. And he let them have it because of their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they didn't believe. See, if you don't believe, you can't believe. Don't ever get into that pattern, well, I don't believe that. Because the minute you get, I don't believe that, you ain't going to believe that or nothing else. So don't go there. Okay? And that's what got him so upset about that. And he says, it's expedient that I go away because the Holy Ghost is going to come to you. The Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, but he wasn't in him at that time. Now catch this. When Jesus was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. And Jesus said in Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And what Jesus was saying, Jesus said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is with you. But he shall be in you. It's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can be with you, but I can't be in you. Catch that. It's necessary because I'm just like you. He came in the seed of Abraham. I'm with you, but I can't be in you and you can't be in me. But if I go away, then you can be in me and I can be in you. I'm sure they understood all that. But he said he... he, He's with you, but he's going to be in you. Christ had to put off his flesh by death. His death was for our sins, our old nature, but also to put off his own flesh. John twelve twenty four. except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that saveth his soul will lose it, but he that loses his soul shall find it. He had to put off the old seed. To have a resurrected seed. And see we can't have a resurrection. Until you have a death. There has to be an exchange. Say exchange. That's why exchange is so important. I don't know what's going on here. But something is. Interruption right. Get a, I get a word. I've watched Mike say. Anytime something happens. There's something going on here. You got to believe it. There's an interruption going on here. But no more interruptions. Oh thank you Lord. All right. See, Christ is no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. Christ has become the spirit of resurrection. You remember when he told, told Martha, Martha, she said, I know my brother will live again in the resurrection. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm already the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me will never die. Believeth thou this? Never die. 
Why? Because death has no more dominion over you. He is the Spirit. And if the Spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwells in you. See, it's in you, and you're in him. No longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Jesus had a garment of flesh, but he had to put off the flesh and put on the the garment of the Spirit of life. See, what did Paul tell us? Put off the old, put on the new. There's a putting off and there's a putting on the new. There's a place to put off and there's a place to put on. And see, we've been clothed with that. We are, in, we are in Christ. We are in the Trinity and union with the Trinity. We are in union with the Trinity. He's not in one place and we're somewhere else. See, we've been made to set with him in heavenly places already. We are in union with the creator of the whole universe now. And John, let's look at this Verse right here, John chapter 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, you got it. We got to get this identity thing down. You got to begin to see who you really are. In John 17, verse 20, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, say, That's me, but for them which shall believe on me through their words, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they may be one in us. What's that called, Alan? Okay. That the world may believe that you've sent me. Why is the world going to believe that he sent him? Because we're in union. We're one. What is one? One is one. You can't do anything with one but one. And that's who we are in him. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Are you expecting the glory? Have you received the glory? Now let me ask you, who is the glory? Jesus, Jesus is the glory. Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, 4, it says, Christ is the, very, the glory of the expressed image of the Father. He was the glory. So we are one, we're in union with him. And it's that union that's going to cause the world to believe. Now it's not any mystery to me why the world doesn't believe that Christ is who he is. All they have to do is look at all the division in the churches. Right? They don't see the union that Jesus is talking about here. And he says, if you love one another, God dwells in you. I in them, verse 23, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in union in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and has loved them as you've loved me. All right. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me. What is that? That's called union. That where I am, they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. i got news for you. God loved you before the foundation of the world. You were created in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before the Father in love, Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. Okay. So we see what Jesus has done for us is the union that we have. But you know, I and them... We are in union also with one another. We all call the body of Christ. Is that what we're called? All right. You gotta, we got to start rethinking things a little bit. There's one body. One. One body. How many bodies? One. All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just look at it just a minute. What Paul was trying to say about all the divisions that was going on in the church at that time. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as a body... 
For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body being one or many are one body, so also is Christ. See? One body, so is Christ. He's one body. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, all have been made to drink into how many spirits? One Spirit. For, for the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where is the hearing? That's kind of what the church is like today, isn't it? You really look at it. But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. Who sets you where you're supposed to be? God did. They that be planted in the house of the Lord shall still be bringing forth fruit in their old age. You believe that, Bill? That's right. Why? They that be what? Planted. He's the one that sets you where you're going to go. He's the one that sets you. Amen. You can't blame, bring forth fruit until you're planted. He says, they, he says, if they were all one member, where's the body? But now there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What's the body done today? I don't have any need for you. You're not of our group. Listen, there's not but one church. There's not but one body. We may meet in a lot of places. Amen. And so we're all members of that one body. <clears throat> Much more those members of the body which seem to be less feeble or, or, or necessary. And those members of the body which we think are less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part that lacks. What part does he show more favor to? The one that lacks. What did God say to Paul? My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Woo, he wasn't talking about sickness either. But there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. What kind of care? The same care. Because you're one body. I was talking to Jim earlier. You know, I've got a member in my knee like he had on his a couple of weeks ago. And you know when that member's hurting, it gets all my attention. <laughs> Anybody out there? It gets a lot of prayer. It gets a lot of attention. A lots of hands laying on and a lot of rubbing. Because it needs it. That's the body of Christ. Amen. And when a good part of me does something good, the rest of the body rejoices. See, that's part of body ministry. And that we should have that same care one for another. Whether one member suffers, all members suffers with it, or one member is honored, all members rejoice. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church. See, let's don't remember, remember something. Jesus said, I will build my church, right? Who's building the church? Are we building the church? No. You look around and see, is this the church? No, this is part of the church. But we're not the church. We're just part of the church. There's a whole big church out there that's God's building. Everybody that's in church is not part of the church, but God has his church in every church. Maybe I need to say that again. Isn't that true? Everybody in church is not part of the church. 
But God has his church in every church. Because it's the body of Christ. It's members of his body that's part of his church that he's building. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? All right. I'm going to have some pages left. Are you excited? Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave, I stopped right there when he says, and God has set in the church. Well, Ephesians 4 said he set some things in the church. He's gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as ministry gifts to the church to perfect the church to do the work of the ministry. All right, did we get that straight? Okay, not to do the work, but to do, teach the body how to do the work. And they're not offices. They're not something you elevate to. They're gifts. And if it's a gift, what do you got to boast about? Nothing. Okay. Got that settled. All right. Verse 13. Till we all come into the unity, union of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God. Into, is that Greek word, a perfect man. Not a perfect men. A perfect man. One body. It says, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Fullness, that's us, Ross. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sly of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him, say into him, union into his body, into him, in all things which is the head, even Christ. Boy, why is that complicated? From whom the whole body joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Now, if you got one joint that's not working too good, does it affect the rest of your body, Jim? Does it? How many of you have a joint that doesn't act up, that acts up every once in a while? Does it get your attention? Does it limit the rest of your body? Yes, it does. Okay. By that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Do we need the every part? If you're a sore part, wouldn't it be nice if you got your part healed so the rest of the body could enjoy that? Come on now. Don't shout me down. If you're a member here, you need to get healthy so the rest of the body can enjoy your health. Did I say that? Okay. Woo. Making increase of the body into the edifying or the building up of itself in love. And then he says, don't walk as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Because that's not who you are. That's who you were. But speaking the truth. Jesus said in John twenty twenty one about his body, as the Father sent me, so send I you. As the Father sent me, so send I you. How did the Father send the Son? Boy, that's a whole message in itself. Why did Jesus come? Help me remember that. Yeah, first John three eight. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What is the work of the devil? He that sinneth is of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So what is the work of the devil? Sin. 
And by one offering, Jesus took care of sin, Hebrews chapter 9, once for all. Say, that's me. I'm one of the all. Once for all, Jesus took care of sin for me. Forever. Say forever. forever. Hallelujah. Are you free? And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. So stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage. Sound like a good place to stop for today. All right. Any more words? Any more? Anybody got anything they, they set on because they was afraid they're going to interrupt my time? You noticed I was really concerned about it, didn't you? Yeah. Anybody else? All right, let's stand. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Just help us to see, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And, Lord, we are risen with you. So, Lord, help us set our affection, our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And, Lord, that our lives are hid in you. And we're seated with you in heavenly places right now. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, to help us be more in tune with what it means to live our life by the life of another, which is your life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. That was a good place to stop right there.